Hello and welcome back to the Millennial Catholic. Uh, why do you have a weird look on your face? That's someone was at the door and it scared me. Why would people being at the door scare you? Well, you remember that one time we were out here and that one person showed up? Yeah, they're all, they're, that's the person who puts money in the door. Okay. It's always somebody who leaves money in the door. I'm not worried about money in the door. Well, if someone uh, knew that there was money in the door, then I'd be a little worried. But it's only us who knows about money in the door. And, well, and everybody else on the podcast. Yeah. But they don't know when we record these things. This is true. Everything is done clandestinely. Yeah, until we put stuff on YouTube. Oh, that's right. we got to do that sometime. Yeah. Eh, I'll wait till like the new year. Very well. You may begin your interrogation, Andrew. Okay. So, uh, the wife and I were at Target the other day. This is good. Picking out Christmas cards. Ooh. One for you. Yay! And uh, we will not be buying you booze for Christmas. That's probably good. I have plenty. Yes. We'll buy you something more useful. Bottle opener? Uh, that would be useful, but you already have a bottle opener. This is true. I'll let you surprise me. You ponder this of what the wife, your liturgical person, 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 (sighs) and I will get you. Cool. Um, So we were at Target, and this lady walks up to us with a little child and a note that says, due to COVID-19, something, 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 help me pay for stuff. Ooh. And... We did the uncharitable Christian thing and said we don't have money, which is true because my wife works for the church and you don't pay her enough. That's also true. But we know this because, you know, money is tight everywhere around here. Correct. But then, not even like five minutes later, a different lady who looked like the same kid and the same note came back up to us trying to do the same thing. Hmm. So that turned me off a little bit even more. So, my question to you is, during this time of the coronavirus, the COVID-19, the SARS 2.0, and Advent being a penitential season, and a season that most of the time we look after the poor a little bit more because it is colder outside, it is, um, I don't know how you want to like it, it is more charitable time because it's Christmas coming. Yeah. How do we start to differentiate the people who are exploiting this and the people who actually need it? That's a great question. So you have no idea. Well, I really well, partly yes, partly no. Um, I remember when I was a seminarian, they sent me out in, into the um, uh, out the steps of the cathedral, and I would was uh, the the pastor Monsignor Jameson wanted me to. Dep- to befriend the poor and the really the, the panhandlers. And I did, and that was one of the most uh, powerful summers of my life, uh, interacting with uh, the poor. Um, there was just, um, it is a very difficult thing to know how to do. I, I think one of the things that I discovered working with the poor that was very clear to me was how many bridges had been burned in their lives. I remember one heroin addict, we had a funeral for him, and the sister, we, we bent over backwards uh, doing this funeral, and family didn't appreciate it because they're just, they, they, this guy in their lives had just been terrible, you know? And so it was, it was, it was, very, it was a very interesting uh, situation. Um, I think I think probably the most important thing to do at this time is um, I actually think the virtue that is most needed 
uh, in our world today is, is friendship in particular. Because uh, there's so many people, there, there, there's so many strangers in our lives now. Right. Um, that when you run into this person at Target, you don't, you don't know this person. You know what I mean? And we want to help the people that we, that we know because we know that they're the people that we can help. Well, it's, I guess for me, and, you know, being in the sanctuary of a church right now because a low live stream mm-hmm. is still a thing. Mm-hmm. I guess for me is I want to know that my money is actually going for what it's supposed to be going for, right? Right. And it's this idea that if I go pay for this person's whatever, I don't know that they're not just going to turn around and then do it over again to somebody else. Like, oh, go sure. return the stuff, get the cash, and then five minutes later, do it again to somebody else. Sure. There used to be a priest down in the parish I used to be at, and he would give out his mass stipends every Friday to the poor. And there would be a line at the door just waiting for Father so-and-so to give him give him his mass stipends because it would usually be like five bucks. and It would be for the month and they would, or the week, and you just give them away. And people would go get their money from him, and they'd go down to the 7-Eleven and buy their lotto tickets. So it was... Um, it's just uh, people need so much more than money right now. It's not even funny. Right. Um, it's it's uh, Mother Teresa would say in India she would give a family a bag of rice that would take care of them for a month. She says your poverty is so much more severe in the United States because you can't just give a family a bag of rice and think they're going to be okay for a month because the poverty is so much deeper than that. It's it's the breakdown of the family which leaves much deeper work wounds and impoverishes far greater than um than anything than anything monetarily so um it's uh it can be very disheartening because you think to yourself what can i do in the face of such such um stuff you know and um it's very difficult um it's very difficult to know. It's 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 a little uh, a suburban environment in which we live, and Bowie is is quite unnatural, right? Um, because we all have our little hermitages uh, in the P section or the A section here in Bowie. It's just uh, you know you just a lot of suburban people. There's just the whole idea of being suburban is you get space away from the neighbors to some degree, um, but you're not on top of each other like in a city. Um, it's a very, it's, it's a, there's so many different things working against charity in our culture today. Um, but primarily I think the, the issue is, of course, the pandemic amplifies this to the nth degree because Mm -hmm. now you don't have any gathering, right? Right. So it's like, well, we are already very isolated people and the pandemic just heightened our isolation, you know? To an even greater extent. I mean, already so many young adults were friendless, and now they they have even fewer friends. Um, and it's uh, it, it, it's they don't have the, the 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 social contacts at work. I see this with the kids uh, when we're doing the interviews for CCD. They miss the social contact with their friends big time, and it's starting to have a real effect. So, um, what do you do? What do you do? Um, you know, we're doing food drives here at St. Ed's. 
I've been hearing from Chris Gardner, our acolyte, who does some work with the poor. He says the lines are massive looking for food donations. Um, so it's a real problem. And um, But the thing is, I think the, the very nature of suburbia keeps people sheltered from the poor and from suffering and um, and that sort of thing. I mean, I drive into D.C. all the time. See the same panhandlers on the mm-hmm. road mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. I, I guess again, if I if I donate food to the St. Edward food drive, I know that food is going to the the Correct. the buoy interfaith para, uh, food pantry, where I know they know who really needs it, who who goes for it. I, I guess it's this idea that if I give to a panhandler, am I feeding an addiction, or am I really helping them out? Right. If I go by the whatever this lady had, again, am I really helping them out or am I feeding a different type of addiction? Right. Have, and I hate to say it this way, but hello world, we live in a cynical society that I have to be cynical myself in some of these situations. And I know you're giving me the judgmental look of, you should have gone conf- confession today. I no, was no, 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 no. That I have to be cynical myself and think almost the worst of people, and I hate to say that, almost like they don't really need the help. They're doing this because we're in a pandemic and they feel like they can use it to their advantage. Sure, sure. Um, I would. I, I think the, the biggest issue, well, I would get to know the stranger. You know, that would be my... That would be my, my – but people don't have time. They're trying to do their stuff, and they're commuting all over the place. It's um, – And they – I don't think they spoke very much English. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the total right answer is in all those situations, but I would say um, – So here's the question. What mm-hmm. would you do if you were in that situation? Oh, I, you – Huh? I'd run to the other side of the aisle, like the the priest in uh, the Good Samaritan story. I'm just oh, kidding. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> like, like you're you're at Target, you're in the card aisle, mm-hmm. and somebody comes up to you with a note about how like COVID nineteen took away their job and they whatever whatever. What do you, as Father Scott, do in that situation? And then conversely, what do you, as Scott Homer, do in that situation? It's interesting. People don't come to the priest. It's very interesting when they see you in a collar, they don't approach you. Ah. Uh, Probably because they don't think you have any money to give them, um, so they don't. They don't actually. They don't actually go after me, um, and uh, which is kind of interesting. So it's it's kind of like a the collars. I, I know when I'm, I'm at the light. As soon as they see me in the collar in the car, they just keep walking right past. They just don't even bother knocking. Sometimes they give a blessing or something. Sometimes I give them just I just give them money because right because I whatever. <laughs> I figure it's the toll. It's the toll for my privilege or whatever the case may be you know your job security as a yeah the i know so there's part of me Washington. that just gives sometimes too i just it's kind of a hit or miss um it's very different giving as pastor of saint with the confessor because all of a sudden word gets out father scott gives away a lot it just gives away money so come on down to saint edwards and get your free stuff um so now if there's a parishioner who's certain and needs cash or help I, I will do anything I can to get that person help. 
You know what I mean? Because that's different. They're they're part of the community. I want to help the community. Right. Uh, but people who are just calling different churches for stuff, it's just like, come on, man. Um, so it's, uh, yeah. What I try also to do is get them back involved with their families. Um, but again, I think we, we're having more and more situations where people are more and more isolated, cut off more and more from their families and other relationships. And it's just, that's the biggest thing that that hurts is these people are very lonely, very isolated. Um, and yeah, I don't like to give to, this sounds a little weird. I don't like to give be, to make myself feel good. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I'd rather be charitable to, and I think you are expressing the same thing. You want, you want what you give to go to a good purpose. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. um, you want it to be used wisely. You want to love people wisely. Yeah, so that's, that's, a, um, that's a thing. So um, it's, it's a difficult thing to discern. I don't think there's any one right answer. I think we want, what, sometimes what we want is like, should I give or should I not give? And um, this part of me that uh, I remember was with this um, girlfriend back in college and we were walking along and there was this, there was this guy in front of a, uh, they, we called him the, the, in front of Wise Millers, it was a sandwich shop. And they, they, I would just give to them. She's like, why are you giving to those people? Uh, and I said, oh, whatever. <laughs> you know, it's just, just um, what was I going to do with the money? You know what I mean? So it's like um, sometimes you can, you can do some good. And at, at the end of the day, a wise guy once said, it was in some book I read, um, I never lost a dollar I gave away. And I like that line. So um, that's a good line. So yeah. But I, I don't, I don't, I don't know all the time what the right answer is. You know what I mean? There's this part of me that says, "Hey, why not just give them some money?" And if they go and waste it on beer, they go and waste it on beer. Um, the act of letting them know that there's there's people out there who who care for them um, is, is is a bigger deal. Um, the love is a bigger th- thing than than the money. So, like, if they know you're looking at them. So what I used to do with these homeless guys in front of the cathedral, I would uh, take them out to McDonald's. Of course, then everyone was like, when are you going to take me out to McDonald's? I'm like, oh, my gosh. But, um, but I, we would go out to McDonald's together and talk, learn about their lives, and that was good. I used to, used to I befriended a heroin addict, and I used to read the Bible in his apartment. Um, he would take a lot of money, though. The problem is he was making tons of money and then just OD'd on heroin. Um, long story. Um, I, it was insane that I would go to that apartment building looking back at it and just la 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 la, just walking through. Lots of heroin acts around here, but um, it, was, it was in DC. It was a rough neighborhood. But anyway, the the, the point was, um, uh, where was I going with all of this? We gotta we gotta. I think more more than giving the poor money. We need to give them friendship. I do remember very clearly when I was at the cathedral because I was staying in the archbishop's suite because it was the only room that was open. And this bed, ooh, it was so squishy. <laughs> I mean, so I uh, – there was a guy living out in the alley behind the cathedral. And I, as I'm going in, you know, this guy's asleep outside. I'm like, I should let him in to the cathedral to sleep in the archbishop's bed uh, for a day. 
But then I thought, well, it's not really mine to give. It's Monsignor Jameson's. So I didn't think that was a good idea. But the point is, it's been interesting to, to see the, the dialogue going on in your heart. I think, I think also when we, we get a sense when we're trying to be used, uh, and, and that causes us anger. Um, I don't want to just be used to get my money for you earning a lot of stuff, um, that we don't like that either. I, the panhandlers in Georgetown at Wise Miller's Sandwich Shop, they made about 80 grand a year uh, mm-hmm. because they, they followed them, and um, which is just insane. Um, but the students at Georgetown apparently had 80 grand to give, so, you know, um, it's, you know, it's, is it our really, is it really our job or our duty to make sure that people are using it for the right reasons or whatever? I mean, don't give it to them if you don't think they are, you know what I mean? But, you know, I think, I think more of this in terms of our discernment needs to be, what does Jesus want you to do, you know, in a real pastoral way? Go to the prisons and preach the Bible to all of those who are lost. Yeah, of course you can't do that now. So correct, correct. I, I, I wonder, you know, he, in your real life, right? You know, I mean, that's what I want to do. But what do you want some to do? Point. I've, I've done prison ministry. You would enjoy it. So it's good. Um, the people are nice people. Uh, I guess they've done crime, so that's not good. But but it's the drugs are huge now uh, in La Plata. That was the big thing. Uh, Dealing heroin. Everybody's got to get their heroin. So, yep, it's very sad. And very, very, um, one woman, oh, this is a sad story. La Plata was drama central. One woman had killed her child in a, oh, I don't want to go there. It's so, it's so depressing. Um, but there was just constant drama there. Um, so, um, very, very, very sad. People, people are going through a lot, and um, being a listening person to these people is is really good. I'll never forget. I'm going to toot my own horn, and this is pride. But what you, the heck? You do it a lot. I know. <laughs> you know, the, one of the guys I took to breakfast. He he said something very nice to me, and that made that made my day. And because um, because he said, when you come out of the steps of the cathedral, people. The, the panhandlers stand up a little straighter because you look them in the eye and you have a real conversation with them. And they, they know you're not, you're not, as opposed to the, the white privileged guilt of, oh my gosh, I feel so, you know, like, like fawning over them, like, or, or either scared or like, hey, here's a lot of money. Aren't I a great person now? You, you don't approach us in that way of like a transactional, either getting, you know, getting kudos for giving you a lot of money or you're here for us, which is very different. And you're not here for, because you're not going to give us anything. <laughs> and so, so you legitimately are trying to start a relationship. But I had the time, you know what I mean? It wasn't like I was just, because it was my assignment that Monsignor Jameson gave me, go and befriend the poor. Okay. So it's a very powerful assignment. Um, probably the most powerful seminary and assignment I ever had. Because the rest of the stuff, I was out in the suburbs. And it was, you just, it's just not a thing. And they put you in the suburbs. Yeah, exactly right. So <laughs> I, I want to I find a, you know, it's funny you bring up the poor. Um, well, again, they bring up the poor because now is the time that we really think about the poor, but we should really so think cold. about them all year. Yeah. But 
I mean, I mean, really, the the it used to be like when you think of the poor and like the in the church, you think of like Bernadette Subaru, and she's she's in you know in in a drafty uh, basement apartment with her family, weeping and gnashing their teeth, and they're happy for the porridge that they receive. But it's interesting when you think about the poor, kind of classically, you think of a poor family. Right. Oh, right. Mr. Bob Cratchit and his and his and his whatever his crutches. Tiny Tim. Tiny Tim and his little crutches. Oh, I won't, Mr. Mr. Scrooge, allow them to have some porridge. And and I think what's going on there is, in all these classic understandings of the poor, there's a family still. The family's intact. Uh, the the modern poor do not have intact families, and the isolation is crushing um and that's very sad because again in, in tiny tim's day they won't they weren't all addicted on heroin they were um they were just poor and you knew it's like it's like mother Teresa said you give a bag of rice to that family you give a bag of rice to tiny tim they're gonna they're gonna know what to do with it well it's also you know? there's no divorce back there's not yes because yes that's a great the far far economic it's it's funny if we really think about it you know, the word economy from the Greek comes from economia, which means the proper ordering of the home. And our real economy, how homes are ordered, have been just destroyed. Because if you, you'll like look at a, a guy who's homeless and poor and stuff, and what normally happens is that he loses his job, can't find one, then the wife leaves, which then mm. causes more of a burden. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess that's true. There, there's that as well. Um but families, uh, we have not done a good job as a society maintaining uh, family relationships. Everybody wants to live apart from each other. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. um, so it, there's like, um, it's in, or, or friendships for that matter, right? So um, there should be, you know, I was thinking, uh, you know, my friend had a friend who uh, was a bartender and then just went through a miserable time in his life and he let him stay in his house, you know? Those, there's, there's, there's still a good networking there that, that's happening um, uh, where people are, are supporting each other and reaching out to each other. Um, our younger generation, especially us millennials, d- did not put a value on that um, in terms of am I, are we maintaining good friendships uh, of a deep nature as opposed to trying to do everything through the internet. And um, yeah, it's just, that's, we really got to help people um, with those relationships. This is why, for instance, when we have the, when we did have those young adult events at the house, it meant the world to the young adults because you guys don't know how to socialize. No offense, but you, you, but but you just none taken. I think you've actually gotten better at it as a group because now you've developed these friendships, and you you guys know hanging out with each other is a worthwhile thing to do. Um, but there are a lot of people out there, especially when I was in La Plata, where we, there was a lot of overdoses. Um, these these folks were just so isolated from each other. Uh, it's it's really the isolation. So. Um, the individual instance where you get a twinge of guilt because you had to pass somebody on the road, there's, uh, this is why we have to pray more. 
not just pray to help people, but pray, Jesus, how do you want me to help people? Like, what do you want me to do? And, and it can't be you self-manufacturing this. It has to be, Jesus is very practical. He's not going to say, try to save everybody. Because even Jesus didn't heal everybody. Even Jesus didn't cure all the sick. Even Jesus didn't make all the poor rich, right? Um, the, what he did do, though, is he spread love. He said this is the key to a fulfilled life is a life where people love one another. And the church is that place, right? Right. Um, where those friendships and love can flourish. That's what I say about that. But at the same time as I say that, I recognize, wow, it's like one of the most unfriendly places right now, right? Everybody's masked up. It's... Uh, it's really not Government good. Government won't let you in. Mm-hmm. Some places yeah. can't even give each other the sign of peace. Um, it's we're we're not in a good place um, in terms of that. No, so, let's just break the law. Bring everybody back. I'm I'm at the point where I'm like I don't care anymore it's about the law because it is it is there has to be a time. I've been debating this a lot. When do we take a stand? When do we draw a line in the sand? Or do we just continue to allow um, our rights to be taken away? And I, and I, I was willing to play along for a while, uh, but now I'm like, meh, meh, more than meh, more like bring it on. Because I was watching the movie 1984 with George Orwell. Yeah. Uh, and during that movie, I, I started to think to myself, man, if I lived in that world that was that uh, draconian, um, I would actually look for death. I would actually long for death. I'm not there yet, but I'm getting there. I've uh, longed for death for a while. But, but for, um, really not for, to be killed. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for listening. This episode was produced by Jackie and Ken Miller. If you would like to join our family here at the Millennial Catholic Podcast, you can do so by joining us at patreon.com slash the MC pod. If you would like to help us grow a little bit, you can subscribe to us on Google and Apple Podcasts. While you're at Apple Podcasts, you can leave us a rating and write a review. It helps us spread the word a little bit. And until next time, God bless.